Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hey, it's great to see you today. And we're pushing forward in our Ephesians series called Live the Life. And today, we're in Ephesians 2 again. Have you read through the letter? I hope so. You know, it only takes 12 to 15 minutes to read through all six chapters. If not, I really encourage you to set aside just a little bit of time and read through it at one time. Because in the first three chapters, Paul reminds them of their blessings in Christ. And he reminds them about God's big plan that The plan is that Jesus didn't just come to bring peace between man and God, but he came to bring peace between man and man, to take people who hate each other and to make one humanity out of two. That's crazy, and it's very wonderful. Out of many to make one. One people, his people, that's it. No division, no hostility, no hate. And isn't this a message that is desperately needed today, right now? The point today is that now that you have been saved, There's a corresponding change in your relationship with both God and man. See, because of Christ, we are family. It's why Jesus came to earth to tear down the dividing wall of hostility. I've got to live that because it's not just about believing. It's about living the life. And that's why, as a member of God's household, I've got to remember just how much grace God's given me, and I've got to give that grace to everybody else around me. Now, before we read Ephesians 2, just to help us get the context, let's go back to how this whole thing started. God's plan all along was never just for the Jews, but he was using his people to reach all people. And that's one thing Paul reminds them of, that this was God's big plan all the way from the beginning. We get territorial, but God had other plans. You see, if you were a Gentile, you accepted this division. And so God sends his one and only son, and now the game has changed forever. And not only do the Jews have their savior, but so do we. Why? Because Jesus is for everybody. And he not only tears down the wall that's between man and God, but he tears down the walls between man and man. And that's a big part of what Paul's talking about right here in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start with verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, if anyone knew what it was like to be rejected, it was the Gentile believers who were listening to this letter being read. Jewish animosity for Gentiles ran very deep, so deep in fact that Jews often opted for the derogatory term uncircumcised whenever they were speaking of the Gentiles. See, those feelings ran deep and in most cases were mutual. Why was there such hatred and hostility between the Jews and Gentiles? Well, religion, was one big factor and politics was the other. See, what the Gentile didn't know from personal experience, they certainly knew from history about how the Jews had treated their ancestors. But why were Jews so proud? 
Well, it goes back to the beginning. The family line of God, God made a covenant with Abraham, and from him came Isaac and then Jacob, and God renamed Jacob Israel. And Jacob's descendants are the Israelites. This is the family, the line, the people that God made a special covenant with. He saved them from slavery in Egypt and built them into a special nation, gave them the law uh, through Moses. You remember that? God himself lived in their midst, in fact, in the tabernacle as they traveled. And eventually, there was the temple after Solomon built it. For a couple of thousand years, if you wanted to know God, you had to be a Jew, or you had to convert into Judaism. And there were the Jews, and then there was everybody else, well, the Gentiles. And for a better part of human history, the Jews were the chosen people of God. The Gentiles were a people without God. Now, that's not to say that they didn't believe in a God. They most certainly did. See, the Gentiles in Ephesus believed in all kinds of gods, as a matter of fact, but they didn't have a relationship with the one true living God. And this left them in a terribly hopeless state. Paul, in fact, was describing their spiritual situation before coming to know Christ in verse 12, whenever he said, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. And see, then he compares that to their current spiritual state, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What Paul's trying to help us see here is just how far we've come. He knows that most of us in the church, the Ephesians and us, are not direct descendants of Jacob. We're not true blood Hebrews. We're not Abraham's physical descendants, but we're still in the family. Not just in the family, though, but full status, equal partners, right here with the best of them, adopted into God's family. God is our father, Jesus is our brother, and we are family. See, we were in the outer court, and now we're in the inner circle. Now, how's that possible? It's because of Jesus. Let's keep reading, starting with verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. There were Gentiles who did come to believe in Israel's one true living God. But every time that they went to the temple to worship him, they were met with a dramatic reminder that they were not fully accepted, let alone wanted by the Jewish people. So when Herod the Great expanded and rebuilt the temple in 20 B.C., he designated a very specific area for the Gentiles to worship that was completely distinct and separate from the more sacred areas of the temple. See, only Jews could enter the inner court. In fact, there was this outer court of the Gentiles, this division, this tension. The wall in the temple courts was to keep the Gentiles out of the inner court. They could not participate in the rituals and worship. Now get this, posted on the walls, literally, were signs that made clear that the penalty for being caught in a restricted area was death. 
Can you imagine how rejected the Gentiles must have felt? Do you think that they, they were going to feel all warm and fuzzy about being saved? Of course not. Probably felt hurt, mistrust, resentment. Hate's probably what would be far more likely to feel towards those on the inside, right? Now, see, one of the big things Paul wants us to see here is that not only did Jesus tear down the wall between man and God, but he tore down the walls between us. And he made peace, not, not only peace with God, but he made peace between us. And as he says in Galatians, now there's no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. His point is that all, thing, all, all the things that used to divide us are gone. We're now one in Christ. We may be different, but we're all one under the cross. In Christ, all the walls come down. There's no division. There's no separation. There's no inequality. There's no inferiority. There's no hostility. That's all been put to death in Christ. See, initially, the Jews didn't get this whole idea of oneness with Gentiles at all. They seemed to be under this impression that the cross gave the Gentiles the right to join their team. And that idea alone took a while to accept. But once they did, the Jews then insisted that the Gentiles begin to do things like their team did things. Now, what do you think that meant? Jewish Christians insisted the Gentile Christians become like them. They should observe the law, they said, the law of Moses. They should observe it, including getting circumcised, taking it easy on Saturdays, and giving up pork skins. And you know what? That would have been a perfectly legit expectation if Jesus died so that Gentiles could learn how to be Jewish. But he didn't. Jesus died to birth a whole new humanity. Now listen again to the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, the second part. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Now, did the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus change anyone's ethnicity? Of course not. Jews were still Jews. Gentiles were still Gentiles. What the cross and empty tomb did change was their identity. Regardless of their ethnicity, those who had placed their faith in Jesus now belonged to a whole new race. It was a race of people known as those who are in Christ. Now, is this easy? No, it wasn't easy for the Jews. I doubt it was any easier for the Gentiles. This rivalry, in fact, ran so deep that even Peter had to be personally told by God to preach the gospel to a Gentile because he still thought that it, that it was Jew versus Gentile. It is never easy to care for and serve those who have hurt you or those who remind you of the hurt that you've experienced. Now, I imagine each of you find certain people or types of people difficult to serve with or for because of previous hurt or maybe just learned preferences. That is why we need to pay attention to how Paul begins this section. This is who we are. We are in Christ. We are the church. This is our identity. Does being one in Christ, though, mean we have to deny what differentiates us from one another? Not at all. I'm a white, middle-class, married, educated, male, uh, Christian, Billy Joel, music-loving. He's got great music, bad theology. But the Holy Spirit doesn't ask me to deny or be embarrassed or ashamed of any of those things that are true about me. What the Holy Spirit does demand is that I not allow any of those truths about me to become my, my identity. And this is something followers of Jesus have struggled with since the birth of the church. We try to claim our fights and splits 
are for theological reasons. But more often than not, they're just rooted in misplaced identity. Instead of seeing ourselves as followers of Jesus, who happen to be white or black or brown, progressive or conservative or libertarian, male or female, northerner or southerner, and as some of my friends would say, Texan or everyone else who wishes they were. See, we still view ourselves as fill in the blank who happen to be Christians. But peace in the church begins with embracing our new identity that we have been given in Christ. Hey, in Christ, walls of hostility are broken down. And what's the result? It's described for us next, verse 19. Consequently, you who are, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, as this chapter closes, Paul uses a powerful word. It's the word together. The Greek word means interconnected, intertwined. We're, we're knit together, brought close together. The meaning is that they belong to the same community, the same family as the people of God. And this message is needed today more than ever. For those in Christ, things should be different from those who do not know Christ. As Christians, we should never forget what God went through to bring us back to him, especially as Gentile Christians. I think part of Paul's point is we especially don't deserve this. We don't earn it. We, we, we didn't earn it. We really have no business being in the family, but we are. We just have to realize what a gift all of this is. And what Paul's trying to do here is just remind us how far we were from God and how much of a gift he has given to us. See, the reason that this is so important is that together we are the church. Together we are God's temple. Together we are the body. Together we are his people. I'm not the church. You alone are not the church. We are the church together. God took all of us from where we were, far away, lost and without hope. He took us with all of our hate and our hostility and our prejudices and division, and he tore down the walls and he made us into one humanity, one family, it's his family. And as we get this, as we don't just get this, but as we, as we live this, not only will God be glorified, but more and more people will come to know him and be forever changed for eternity. So we never get complacent. So we never get comfortable. So we never get casual about this whole thing that we, we've got going on. It meant everything to God. It should mean everything to us as well. Now, let me ask you, outside of Christ, is there still division and hostility in our world? Oh yeah, we love to build walls, don't we? Have you ever noticed how we love to divide? No matter how similar we all are, we always find a way to divide ourselves, something to keep us apart. We like to build social walls that are comprised of race, culture, geography, traditions, and education, as well as age, sex, political stance. These walls tend to separate and cause prejudice among people. I think so much of it is learned behavior. Regardless, in Jesus Christ, God broke down all human barriers and created the church 
as one as the one body of sinners in relationship to one another and to him. We are fellow citizens with God's people. We are members of the family of God. We are part of the temple of God. We are, in fact, the temple, the new temple. This is what the new walls are for, the new temple. We are being joined together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, can a temple dedicated to our loving and gracious God have walls of division inside of them? That doesn't fit the new plan. This temple is a living temple. We are the temple. We are a witness, a testimony of a transforming power of God in the world through Christ, his son. But are we transformed? Are all the walls broken down? Is there peace here? Do we realize that God lives in us by his spirit? So many divisions, so many walls, so much hostility between so many groups, so much hate. But while the world is filled with hate and hostility as Christians, as people who are in Christ, what Jesus says to us is, among believers in Christ, walls are torn down. Hate stops right here. As members of God's household, fellow citizens with God's people, we've got to join together and just say, hate stops here and now. With all the love I've been shown, how could I ever hate? If you've ever read the book or seen the movie Redeeming Love, near the end of that movie, Michael's brother asked, the angel, asked angel to forgive him. And her response was this. She said, I forgive you. How could I not after I've been forgiven? of so much. I can't stop hate out there, but I can stop, stop it in here in my heart. When we've suffered harm because of someone else, they deserve our wrath, not our kindness. I get it. They deserve to be out and not in. I'm reminded often of that verse, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In this building metaphor, we're reminded of a very important truth. What makes a building? See, if I have a pile of bricks, does that make a building? Nope. Just because bricks are sharing space doesn't make it a building. Then what does? It takes bricks being joined together to make a building, right? And here, here's my point. We have, through the blood of Jesus, been joined together. But to truly show the world God is among us. We cannot act like a pile of bricks just sharing space. We have to come together in a far more significant way. We must care for one another. We must serve one another. And it's when we do this really well that we give people a glimpse of God, especially when we do this with and for those we have nothing in common with other than our identity in Christ. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And when we line up with Jesus, and we live according to his plan for peace in our relationships, we become building material that he can use. While we want to build walls that divide, Jesus wants to build walls that invite. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the truth that we have heard today, and thank you for your plan, which was eternal, that you had all the way from the beginning of time. Thank you that you tear down the walls that separate man from you. But thank you, Father, that you tear down the walls of hostility that stand between each one of us. Father, forgive us for the times when we have 
behaved inconsiderately or even hateful towards our fellow human beings. And I pray, Father, for more grace. I pray, Father, for a deeper appreciation for the fact that you have called us not to like everybody, but to love absolutely everyone. And Father, we know that this is possible if each one of us first looks to you and then looks to uh, you for obedience in just how we are interacting with each other. We know it's possible because you have paved the way and made it possible through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your forgiveness, and we just ask, Father, that you will do the work of unity that only is possible through Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.